Hope you, how y'all doing? Um, I'm I'm hope trying not to get in trouble because uh, it's is my wife's birthday and I've not done anything super special because I know she doesn't want that. Um, I did keep Gretchen from doing a party because that would have just not been good. Um, I did buy her all her favorite junk food, and then some, one other little thing. Um, and I uh, hope she has, I know that she's waiting for her granddaughter to get here. That'll make her day special. Um, yesterday we played golf. Um, first of all, let me, let me go back a minute. I don't have to have surgery on my shoulder, so for those of you who don't know about that. Um, I think God healed me because the x-ray, the surgeon was just sure I had a torn rotator cuff. That time I went for the MRI, and then when he looked at it, he says, huh, it's not torn, it's just some fluid there, and it's angry. So I've got an angry, fluid-filled shoulder, and, um, but the, praise the Lord, no, no, no surgery. Um, I tried to swing a golf club three times yesterday. It's all three times, and I feel a little bit today, so I know that golf's not coming up anytime soon, but I can push the throttle down on my boat and so that didn't I'll know be I'll be able to get that going if you would turn in your Bibles to uh, uh, Mark chapter 11 we're going to be in chapter 11 and 12 we have been in the book of Mark since oh May of last year May 17th of last year in fact and uh, we're closing in on things we're going to be covering some things in chunks because you know I can teach you all the little ins and outs and we'll probably and we'll give you some of that but there's some principles in these next areas that we really need to to get a hold of and to apply in our lives in the life of our church today by the way wasn't it nice having piano and bass up there man I'm so glad Corey and Jessica are here um I don't know if we'll ever let them go back um man they're just so valuable here oh there's the granddaughter here she is. <laughs> David, that's your great-granddaughter. <laughs> yeah. Oh, now I've embarrassed my daughter, so I'll be in trouble. But she doesn't mind showing off her baby. So, yeah. Okay. Um, anyway, um, where was I? Golf tournament? We had a great golf tournament. Um, we raised a lot of money for our youth. We're in a great shape this year for the first time in a long time. We're not going to be scrambling for money to take kids to camp. It's what a blessing that is. And uh, thank you for all who participated and helped and got things. And it's just amazing. Now, there's a few people that didn't have money to pay yesterday. They better pay. <laughs> you saw Blake. He's got two brothers that are as big as him. Okay, so I'll just send them to your house. And they just got to stand here and look mean. And uh, you'll, you'll pay up. So. But we had a good time with that. It's God's really blessing. Oh, yeah, where would it go on music-wise? Listen, if you play an instrument or you sing, or you, we would love to have you come do this. Just talk to Eric. Uh, if you do specials, um, we just don't know what talent's here. And if you have any talent, come see Eric. We, we'll come share that talent, that gift that God's given you with the rest of us, and uh, we will be blessed on that. All right. It's a little warm up here. Just so you know, the one air conditioner that doesn't work here that I don't want to replace at $7,000 is the one that covers the stage. 
Okay, so y'all are going to be okay out there, but it gets a little warm up here. And I get warm anyway when I preach, so I think that's the fat guy thing. All right, here we go. Mark chapter 11, starting at verse 27. We're going to see here the authority of Jesus being challenged. It says, and they came again to Jerusalem, that's Jesus and his disciples, and as he was walking in the temple, there came to him chief, the chief priest and the scribes and the elders. And they say unto him, by what authority doest thou these things? And who gave thee this authority to do these things? They want to know what's going on. Jesus, who do you think you are? You just cleaned out the temple. You threw over chair tables and you you just shook everything up. You were doing all these things. Who gave you the the power to do that? They want to know. And by the way, they should have asked that. They should know want to know whose authority Jesus is doing what he's doing in. But let's go on. And Jesus answered and said unto them. I will also ask you one question and answer me, and I will tell you by what authority I do these things. Now, Jesus understands that uh, these guys are hypocrites, and they're not really looking for the truth. They're looking for a way to trap him. So he asked this, the baptism of John, was it from heaven or of men? Answer me. And they reasoned within themselves, saying, if we say from heaven, he will say, Why did you not believe him? But if we say of men, they feared the people, for all men counted John, that he was a prophet indeed. And they answered and said unto Jesus, We cannot tell. And Jesus answered and saith unto him, Neither do I tell you by what authority I do these things. See, his question exposed their hypocrisy. One of the worst things that can happen in any type of religious leadership or church leadership, our church, listen, we are God's people here. Uh, the church is a, a group of people who have trusted in Christ that God has called to a place to, to serve him and to lift up Jesus and to point men and women and children to God. That's what we are here for. And uh, so the one thing that kills uh, a church, and it was just killing um, Uh, Judaism at this time was hypocrisy. We need to be safe of that. We need to be careful that we don't turn into some of these things. See, if they had obeyed John's message, they would have gladly submitted to Christ's authority. See, there was the question right there. They did not believe John, or they didn't want to believe John, because if they did, they would have understood that Jesus was the Messiah. They did not want to do that. So Jesus had all of his authority questioned by these guys, but when the, when the time came, they didn't want to get involved. They didn't want to, they were trapped. He refused, he only refused to accept and endorse their hypocrisy. He was not being evasive to these guys. He just said, listen, here's the honest thing. If you want to know whose authority I do this, then you tell me who empowered John the Baptist because it's the same person. They were trapped. Jesus got his authority from God. 
next set of questions. We let's move over here. In fact, in chapter 12, we're going to start in verse 1. Jesus goes on and he starts a parable, a story to illustrate to them their problem. He's not going to win friends here, but let's see what the truth says. It says, and he began to speak unto them by parables. A certain man planted a vineyard and set a hedge about it and digged a place for a wine fat and, and built a tower and, and, and lent it out to husbandmen and went into a far country. And at the season he sent to the husband a servant that he might receive from the husbandmen of the fruit of the vineyard. And they caught him and beat him and sent him away empty. And again he sent unto them another servant. And at him they cast stones and wounded him in, in the head and, and sent him away shamefully handled. And again he sent another. And him they killed and many others, beating some and killing some. Having yet therefore one son, his well-beloved, he sent him also unto them, saying, They will reverence my son. But those husbandmen said among themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, and the inheritance shall be ours. And they took him, and they killed him, and they cast him out of the vineyard. What shall therefore the Lord of the vineyard do? He will come and destroy the husbandmen, and will give the vineyard unto others. And have you not read this scripture? The stone which the builders rejected is become the head of the corner. This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. And they sought to lay hold on him, but feared the people, for they knew that he had spoken the parable against them, and they left him and went their way. For these leaders, religious leaders who are supposed to be leading the people of, uh, uh, of Israel, who are supposed to be leading them to a closer relationship with God and pointing the world to God, they had gotten so corrupt, so hypocritical. Before they could get away from him, he told the, Jesus told this story. A vineyard is a very familiar <clears throat> image in Israel. And, and the, the, the farmer, according to Leviticus, uh, a farmer would not use the fruit until the fifth year. So what we're seeing here is he starts telling this story. And um, though we're not sure the Jews were obeying this regulation at the time, but in order to retain the legal rights to the property, the owner had to receive produce from the tenants, even if it was only some of the vegetables that they grew between the rows of trees or vines. And that explains why the tenants refused to give them anything. Here, let me try to put this into, you get in the commentary guys and they do all sorts of stuff. Let me tell you what's really happening here. The religious leadership had hijacked Judaism. Just like sometimes religious leadership today hijacks Christianity. And they didn't really want what God had for them. And every time that, that um, God sent a prophet to them, they would either reject him or they'd beat him or they'd kill him. This happened over hundreds of years. God would send a prophet. They wouldn't listen. They'd kill him. Of all the prophets you read about in the Old Testament, there's only a few that, that were, had successful ministries that we saw. Most of them, when they went to the Jews, the Jews killed them. They, I don't, no, no, no. We don't want to hear this stuff from God. We've got our traditions. We're going to hang on to these traditions. You 
no, no, I don't want to know what God has to say. I want to. They rejected and killed the prophets. Today, I think sometimes we have people who, who are very um, built in their traditions, church traditions. And we have such a great specter, huge specter of people. But how many of those churches, how many of those pastors, how many are pointing people to Jesus? And how many people are just so, hey, I've got control, I've getting money, I've got power, I've got, whether it's just a little bit or a lot, if we just hold on to these things, I don't really want to hear from God. That's what was going on there. And these things still happen here. So what was going on? Now they sent now the husbandman sent his son, his only son. They knew it was the Messiah. Jesus was claiming to be a Messiah in this. And, and, and so what did they do? What did this religious leadership do? They rejected the Son of God. And Jesus quotes a, a very strong passage out of the Psalms about the, um, uh, the stone which the builders rejected has become the head of the corner. Remember, they rejected him. He is that stone, and the church is built upon that rock, that he is the Christ, the Son of God, the Messiah. Those religious leaders went away mad, trying to figure out a way to kill him. So, well, the only consequence for them is coming judgment. But now we got another group of people. The Pharisees are coming up. Look at verse 12. They're going, to, they're going to talk about, well, do we, do we pay taxes to Caesar? Who do we pay taxes to? Should we pay taxes? <laughs> okay, maybe this will go a little further than you think. Look at verse 13. And they send unto him a certain of the Pharisees and the Herodians to catch him in his words. And when they were come unto him, they say unto him, Master, we know that thou art true, and carest for no man. For thou regardest not the person of men, but teachest the way of God in, in truth. Is it lawful to give tribute to Caesar or not? Okay, this is a loaded question. Because you have two separate groups here. you got the, the Herodians. These guys are um, empowered by Rome. They represent Rome. And they are really political animals. And they are in power. And they just, um, you know, they're, they're, Rome is their buddy and because Rome's empowering them and they're doing all sorts of stuff. And then you have the Pharisees who hate Rome and they want to catch him. Both, it's interesting that these two polar opposite groups are both come together to try to catch him. And really what they're asking, not just this tax thing, this is about authority again. Whose authority do you submit to? And they said, they, 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 they kind of, they flatter him. Oh, we know that you, you're a man of truth. You, you don't care what people say. You always tell the truth. So they're kind of flattering him. And they think, man, we got him. No. He says this. Look at verse 15. Shall we give or shall we not give? Do we pay our taxes or not? But he, knowing their hypocrisy, said unto them, Why tempt ye me? Bring me a penny that I may see it. And they bought it, and they saith unto them, Whose image 
and superscription. And they said unto him, Caesar's. And Jesus answering said unto them, Render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And they marveled at him. You see, <laughs> they, are, they had just settled some things down. Whose image? It's Caesar's. Now the Pharisees used that money too. That's why they had to go into this temple and, and change money for, for sacrifice and things. Because everybody was using Caesar's money, and that was tentatively, they submitted to the fact that Caesar was in control and his money had value. And what Jesus says here is, listen, you submit to the authority that God has allowed over you, and you pay the taxes to that authority that God has allowed, and then you give to God the things that God belongs to him, what belongs to God. You need to understand, if you ever want to understand how we are to respond to the authority and to, to the governments that are put above us, read Romans chapter 13. It tells it right there. Now, listen, I know we're Americans, okay? You guys know that as Americans, um, July 4th is getting ready to come up, and we're celebrating that we rebel. We uh, rebelled. Now, we had righteous rebellion, there's no doubt about that, and we have an incredible country, and I love our country. I served our country. If they wanted me, I'd go back again and serve. But understand that. I love our country. I love what God has allowed our country to do, the freedoms and the things here. But can I tell you something? We need to quit getting all bent out of shape about who's in control because, really, God's in control, and he puts people there that he wants to, to produce his will. He put that terrible guy, Herod, that killed all those kids in Bethlehem, and he put Augustus in charge of Rome so that Joseph and Mary could leave Nazareth and go to Bethlehem so that Jesus could be born in Bethlehem and fulfill the prophecy so that he could be the Messiah. Do you think God doesn't control government? Look, I get frustrated with them all the time too, from local all to the national. And I hate to say it, but it's not going to be long and we're going to have international government. I will do what we are to do. We will pay Caesar what's due unto Caesar, but we will give all to our Lord and give him what he deserves. He, they did not trick him. They marveled at him. So here's a question. If you want to know, do you pay taxes? Yeah, pay your taxes. Use the law to all your advantage and only pay what you have to pay. Okay, that's what's there, right? Get a good accountant. I have a great accountant. He takes care of us really well. All right. Now we have the Sadducees. Sadducees are asking about the resurrection. These guys. Listen to this, verse 18. Then come he unto him the Sadducees, which say there is no resurrection. And they ask him, saying, Master, Moses wrote unto us, If a man's brother die, and leave his wife behind him, and leave no children, that his brother should take his wife, and raise up seed unto his brother. Now there were seven brethren, and the first took a wife, and dying left no seed, and the second took her, and died, and neither left seed, and the third likewise, and the seven, um, and, and it just kept going, and the seven had her and left no seed. Last of all, the woman also died. In the resurrection, therefore, when they shall rise, whose wife 
shall she be of them? For the seven had her to wife. Seems like they've got him trapped, doesn't it? No. Verse 24, And Jesus answering said unto them, Do ye not therefore err, because ye know not the Scriptures, neither the power of God? Okay, there's two things right there. They did not understand the Scripture, and they did not believe in the power of God. Verse 25, For when they shall rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels which are in heaven. And as touching the dead, they that rise have not yet read the book of um, Moses, how in the uh, bush God spake unto him, saying, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. Therefore, do greatly, therefore do greatly err. Ye therefore do greatly err. All right, they're all messed up. The Sadducees, and they they think they're holding on to everything. They think they got it right. By the way, understand, all these people thought they had it right, but they were wrong. All right, how many of you are single and want to get married? How many are not, or just don't, don't want to admit that? This is one of the passages that really kind of messed up some people. Um, I think I probably, when I first read it and heard it, kind of messed me up too. Because see, I wanted to get married and have kids and grandkids and all these things. And, and if I would have um, died, I'm going to go to heaven and, and I'm going to be like an angel. And that means I'm not going to be sexless. I'm not going to be a man or a woman. I'm going to be an, like an angel. And I can't get my head wrapped around that. Can you? My wife's not going to be my wife in heaven. I wonder what her part of heaven will look like. The streets will, instead of being paved with gold, be paved with M&Ms. <laughs> and that river will be Diet Coke. I don't know. Hey, listen, my part of heaven, that river, I'm going to be able to water ski again. And I'm not going to need a boat. And I'm going to, it, it'll be perfectly glass water. And you build it. Any of y'all slalom ski? Do you know that perfect time when you're water skiing? And, and that kind of the boat motor, you can't hear that noise anymore. And when you cut hard and the spray goes up, and you hear it just tinkling down, hitting the water. Oh, man, I want to do that again. I don't think my shoulder will ever let me or my back or, under, or I can find a boat that can pull this body up. Um, <laughs> But my part of heaven, I'm going to be skiing down that river, and that's what it's going to be like. Yeah. Oh, man, the things we can come up with in our imagination about heaven. Truth of heaven is, is we're going to be very different there. And this is the problem. The Sadducees, they, they, they didn't understand that. In fact, they, didn't, they did not believe in the resurrection. So they were trying to get him to... to, to uh, Again, they're trying to, to trick him. They thought they were smart, but Jesus revealed that they were ignorant. They were ignorant of the power of God and the truth of Scripture. Resurrection is not the re- restoration of life as we know it. Get that. We're not going to be resurrected unto life as we know it today. I'm kind of glad about that. We are going to be resurrected in a very different way. 
It's an entrance into a new life that's different, an eternal life. The same God who created the angels and gave them their nature is able to give us new bodies. We, We will need new bodies for a new life in heaven. Jesus did not say that we would become angels or be like angels in everything, for God's children are higher than angels. That's us. We are higher than angels. We're not going to be just like angels, and we're not going to become angels. He said that our resurrection bodies would be sexless like the angels, and therefore marriage would no longer exist. In the eternal state where our new bodies are are perfect, there's no death. There will also be no need for marriage, for procreation, and the continuance of the race. We're different. Isn't that what we're looking for? Man, all those pains, all that, all that stuff that we got, that's all gone. I don't know what we're going to look like. I know we'll recognize one another. I could speculate. Let's not do that. We're going to be, the Sadducees were wrong. You know what? I think a lot of times today in our churches we're wrong about the things we say about heaven. Even we tell people not really the right ways to get to heaven. Very interesting time. All right, so let's move on. The great commandment. Here, it's just like the key. Matthew, again, Mark 12, 28. And one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, they, and perceiving that he answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like this, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, Well, master, thou hast said the truth, for there is one God, and there is none other but he. And to love him with all the heart, and with all the understanding, and with all the soul, and with all the strength, and to love thy neighbor as himself is more than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered discreetly, he said to him, Thou art not far from the kingdom of God. And no man after that durst ask him any question. He shut their mouths. They asked him, What's the greatest commandment? The Lord is one. Jews still say that. It's called the Shema. But then he said, the greatest commandment is to love God with all our hearts. With our whole being, we are to love God. And he didn't stop there. We are to love our neighbor as ourselves. Most of us don't have a hard time loving ourselves. We have a hard time loving our neighbors. This is the great commandment. This is the great commandment that brings us into the kingdom of God. So, all these people are trying to trap Jesus. All of them are trying to get him to err. They're all trying to come up with ways to, to justify killing him. Their traditions had carried them away to a place where they did not recognize the very one they looked for. 
So here's the caution today. We must, as believers, avoid the errors, excuse me, the errors of tradition. Let me go back to that. We, as believers, have got to avoid the errors, the deceit, the false doctrine that stems from tradition. So how do you do that? Jesus talked about it in those sermons, in, the, in those questions. One of the first ones he got, you don't know the scriptures. So how do, we, how do we avoid those errors? Number one, we hold fast to the word of God. Mark 12, 24, and Jesus answering said unto them, do ye not therefore err because ye know not the scriptures, neither the power of God. Second Timothy, it, it does a lot to do about scripture. It says, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, but shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. You think maybe those profane and vain babblings have become traditions that just get carried on and carried on? And their word will eat as doth a canker of whom Hymenaeus and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already and overthrown the faith of some. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. And let every one that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Study to show thyself approved. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. 2 Timothy 4.1, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall uh, judge the quick and the dead, and um, at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned and the truth from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Does that kind of sound like we, the thing, times we're living in today? And listen, I can tell you that this happens even in quote-unquote good churches because we have traditions that we are holding on to that, that line up with Scripture but aren't quite scripturally. And sometimes we, we hold on to those traditions above the Word of God and we've got to stop doing that. We've got to go back to the Word of God, rightly dividing the Word of God. There's a big word for that in, in theology. It's called hermeneutics. Blake, how'd you do in hermeneutics? Who taught you that? Did you have Brother Cash? Ooh, so you learned lots of grammar. Yeah, I had Pastor Messer for hermeneutics, so I was, it was different. Of course, he wasn't pastor then either. But uh, listen, hermeneutics is, is, and remember, some of y'all came to a hermeneutic class that I gave. And I probably, you probably just got so bored with parts of it. But can I tell you something? If you're going to rightly understand God's word, there's a few things you need to understand. I'll hit the highlights. Context. We need to keep the scriptures in context. That means read the chapter before, read the chapter afterwards, see what all's going on. The next is grammar. Oh, I hate grammar. 
Blake's a, 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 from a different era of school at Trinity. When I went to Trinity, there was a man named um, Charles Schaefer taught English. Oh, yeah, you guys know. Now, look, I, you have to understand, I came out of a, um, I didn't come out of Christian school. I came out of a public school. Um, I don't know if I, this before they tested, I may be a bit dyslexic or something. But I can tell you, I don't spell well, and I didn't know my grammar real well. In fact, when I went to school, you had to take this test, and I failed the test, so they put me in what they call bonehead English to get me up where I could name all the parts of the speech. Okay? And then I went to, to Brother Schaefer's class and, and found out the first day that if you write, um, when you write a paper or when you do anything, if you have one misspelled word, it's an F. Poor Cynthia wrote one paper for me. There was a misspelled word, just a typo. She would never write another paper. She would never type another paper for me. I don't blame her. I had to, I struggled with that class. In fact, I took it twice. Because you had to have a C to pass. And I don't spell well. I still don't spell well. So if you ever get anything handwritten by me, it's going to be sloppy so you can't tell if I misspelled or not. But let me tell you something. Grammar in our Bible is critical. If we're going to understand it, we need to have a good grammatical background because, see, we can, we can just butcher the word when we don't have the right grammar. I also learned a whole bunch of grammar in Greek to understand how these things are put together. It's critical. So if we're going to hold on to God's word, we, we really need to rightly divide it. We need to have the grammar. We need to keep it in context. Just a couple quick things. Deuteronomy 4.2, you shall not add unto the word which I command you, neither shall you diminish aught from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God which I command. We don't need to add, we don't need to take away. Revelation 22.18, for I testify unto every man that heareth the words of this prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. Joshua 1.7, I think I quoted this last week, only be strong and very courageous thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded me turn not from the right or turn not from it to the right hand or to the left that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest if we're going to avoid the errors of tradition we have to hold fast to God's word but not only that we have to test the tradition against the character of Jesus and when they were come they said unto him master we know that thou art true and carest for no man for thou regardest not the person of men, but teachest the way of God and truth. It is lawful to give. Is it lawful to give tribute to Caesar or not? What, what, what you're seeing here is they're telling you who what Jesus' character is. He's full of truth. He's full of of righteousness. He he he's not worried about what men think. He's worried about what God thinks. And we need to adapt that character in in. Look at everything, test everything we do in light of that character. Uh, Matthew eleven twenty nine. Take upon you my um, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. It tells me that Jesus isn't beating people up to do things. We love to guilt people into things. We love to beat people up, right? Let me see if I can be. We need some help on um, Wednesday night. We can use a couple bodies back there. And let me tell you something. Ministering to children is the greatest thing you can do for the future. 
In fact, you're being a lot like Jesus because he loved those kids. I just presented you the truth. I'm not going to guilt you into going back there. Now I am. If you really like to get a whole lot of blessing, go check it out. <laughs> Mark chapter 2. It came to pass that as Jesus sat by meat in his house, many public and sinners sat also together with Jesus and his disciples. For there were many, and they followed him. And when the scribes and the Pharisees saw him eat with publicans and sinners, they say unto his disciples, How is it that he eateth and drinketh with publicans and sinners? When Jesus heard it, he saith unto them, They that are whole have no need of a physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Wow, Jesus hung out with bad guys, with sinners, with tax collectors. He, he hung out with messed up people like me, like you. But, but do we not have some traditions in, in churches today that, that we are going to be, we, we're going to be separated? We're going to be so separated that we're going to be isolated, and we don't want anybody around us that's not a believer. In fact, you, get a, you go straighten yourself out, dress right, clean up right, Come into church and, and, and maybe we'll let you hang out with us. Do you think that traditions of Jesus? That's totally not his character, right? So when we see things happen around us and we see some traditions that they may come down, and, and, and some of you, you, you guys are going to understand, I came out through some very legalistic um, churches. And, and so this is a, a response to that. Some of you guys may not have, have never experienced that. Maybe you experienced the part that, that, is, that is so watered down that you can't tell that Jesus is even there. That's not Jesus' character either because he said this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There's not a bunch of paths to, to, to heaven. There's only one, and that's through Jesus. 1 John 1, 8, he, loveth, um, he that loveth not knoweth not God. For God is love. Sometimes we are very unloving. You know, um, Paul writes in Galatians, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Isn't that the character of Jesus? The character of the Holy Spirit, the fruit that we are to bear is what Jesus is like. And if we are not, if we are, 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 if our traditions and how we practice traditions go against the character of Jesus, we need to throw that tradition out. Right now, I'm speaking the truth in love, as Ephesians says. It may grow up into him all things, which is the head, even Christ. You see, Jesus he was kind to every who you know he was kind to everybody he straightened out the pharisees the sadducees the scribes the religious leaders the chief priests but he also did it with a fine character see don't let our traditions go against the character of christ we have to be careful of those things careful how we speak to people I'll muddle one more time. In contending for our, your political view, don't abandon the character of Jesus. 
speak the truth in love. I don't care what political view you have. But don't call yourself a Christian and treat others in a way that doesn't line up with the character of Christ. Several years ago, there was that little bracelet going around. What would Jesus do? There's a whole lot more truth in that. I love that everybody was wearing it. I just really wished everybody would have done it. Oh, that's me too. Test everything against the character of Christ. And then last, if we're going to avoid the error of tradition, we're going to obey the great commandment. The first commandment is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. We are to love God with such a passion that when we do things that are against his word, when we sin, when we are not holy as he is holy, it should tear us up. That, 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 we, would, that we would disappoint. I don't know, is that the right word? Because I don't want to guilt you into this. I want you to understand that our love affair with God and with Jesus has got to be the place where our greatest pleasure is to hear him smile and say, well done. And our greatest fear is that we disappoint. You see how that works out? That's what it means to love God. And then to love our neighbor as ourself, as to love the people all around us, the believers, but even the non-believers. Yesterday we did the golf tournament, and other than Parker, we didn't have a lot of, we didn't have te our teams really um, plugged in. Um, most of the kids in our youth ministry now are kids who are kind of uh, on the edge, edgy kids. Okay, there's a lot of edgy kids there. Um, their parents aren't in church. Um, let me tell you, when I say edgy, they're, they're good kids. They love Jesus. Um, they're, they're, they're coming here on their own or getting their parents to bring them here. Uh, they're, they're coming and they're, they're learning and they're, but they're not what you would say your, your typical church kid. But that's okay because they're getting Jesus and their, their lives are changing. And by the way, we have a very great history of those type of kids coming through this ministry and God getting a hold of them and sending them into the world to minister all over the place. You see, we got to love our neighbors, love them, love those who are unlovely. And in loving them, it rolls right into the great, um, the great commission. And Jesus said, came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. You see, traditions can set us in a bad spot. We have to avoid the error of tradition. We hold fast to God's word. 
We, we test everything by the character of Christ, and then we obey the great commandment. And in obeying that great commandment, we'll obey the great commission. If you're here this morning, and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, you've never had that time where you have put your faith and you believed in Him as the Savior, I invite you to do that today. It's not difficult. It's just, really, it's so simple that we tend to miss it. We just have to admit we're a sinner. We've messed up. We have to believe that Jesus died on our cross, was buried, and rose again to take the punishment for our sin. And we understand those two things. We just call on him to be our Savior. He forgives us all. And those of you who are sitting here forgiven, don't let the traditions mess you up. Hold fast to that word. Romans tells us that we are being conformed to the image of his son. Well, let's show that image in our character as we test everything by his character. And then let's just love God, love people, make disciples who make disciples. Let's pray this morning. If you will stand, we'll, we'll, we'll stand and pray. By the way, that's what, how they did it a lot in the Old Testament. They stood with their hands raised. We can do that today. Let's pray. Father, we are so very thankful for Jesus. Thankful for your love. Thankful for your word. Thankful for the instruction you give us through your word. And thankful for Jesus, an incredible Savior. Lord, help us not to get trapped in tradition. Lord, help us to, to through your word, see the truth. Father, thank you for the Holy Spirit you give us at salvation that, that teaches us all things and, and lifts Jesus up. Help us to depend on the, upon the Holy Spirit and to, to be in the, the word that we have, you have so graciously given us. Lord, we are so blessed here in this nation to have access to so much when it comes to the Bible. And then, Lord, help us to love you with all of our heart and to love our neighbors. And, Lord, to tell them of you and those that uh, accept you, Lord, to teach them so that they can go and teach others. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.